Open our eyes, dear Lord, that we may see the wonders of your word. Amen. Today we are in 2 Chronicles chapter 4, where we see the furnishings of the temple listed out. Verses 1 to 10 talks about the main vessels of the temple, the brazen altar and the brazen sea. Verses 11 to 18 talks about the works of Huram with the brass. And verse 19 to the next chapter, verse 1, talks about the other significant vessels used in worship. So why was Ezra writing all this? It was because after the return of the people from exile, some of those vessels were brought back. As we see in Ezra chapter 1 verses 7 to 11, chapter 6 verse 5 and chapter 8 verses 24 to 34. And hence, Ezra the chronicler wanted the people to understand the usage of these vessels in the temple of the Lord and why they were required to be there in the first place. In a way, Ezra was teaching them the statutes of the temple of the Lord. First, he talks about the brazen altar, the altar made of bronze. Just as the one in the tabernacle, this is the main object everyone sees upon entering the main courtyard of the temple. But the brazen altar of the Solomon's temple was twice the size of the one in the tabernacle. This altar was the place where all the sacrifices were made. So the placing of this altar immediately upon the entrance and the usage for sacrificing the animals tells the people that God can only be approached through the sacrifices of the animals which act as a payment for our sins because our God is a holy God and we cannot enter his holy presence without having cleansed our sins. The New Testament believers have an altar too. It is listed in Hebrews chapter 13 verse 10 where it says we have an altar from which those who serve the tabernacle have no right to eat. This altar is the cross where Jesus was crucified. But was it really necessary for Jesus to die? Couldn't God the Father not simply have granted a pardon? If God the Father is not angry with sin, we live in a universe without law. If Christ did not pacify God the Father by his sacrifice, that anger will still burn and one day it will consume us. That's why the sacrifice was necessary for justification of sinners. If the justification is lost, the whole gospel is lost. In Romans chapter 3 verse 25 we read, For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and to justify the one who has faith in Jesus. So the death of Jesus Christ has a twofold objective. That is, one, it was to be like the sacrifices of the old covenant, an offering to appease God and to cleanse the believer through faith. Secondly, it was to demonstrate the righteousness of God by showing that sin would entail punishment. However, that punishment would not be extracted from the person that is the sinner but rather from Jesus Christ if that sinner chose to put his faith upon Jesus. 
What a glorious picture of how sin can be dealt by God and God alone. It was a very encouraging message for the people returning from the exile during that time and today during this lenten season as well this is an encouraging message for each one of us. Next Ezra talks about the brazen sea. This was a huge tub of bronze which had water filled to it. This was meant for the cleansing of the priests who served in the temple of the Lord. Those priests who did not wash to make themselves clean would literally die as we read in Exodus chapter 30 verse 20. This was to show the Israelites that God is a god of holiness unlike the other gods of other nations and that he exacts purity and holiness from his priests as well. In the New Testament the believers all been called as a priestly generation however we do still have priests and spiritual leaders just like in the old testament how the priests were held to a very high standard than the ordinary citizens in the new testament as well it still holds good however since god is not striking down those who sin against him like he did in the days of the old testament temple The priests and the spiritual leaders of this New Testament have grown bold to commit atrocities and sins against the Lord with impunity. That is why James writes in James chapter 3, "Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. We all struggle with sin, even the priests and the spiritual leaders too." The work of the Holy Spirit on our lives is a lifelong process whereby he cleanses us of all our sins and the idols in our hearts as we read in Ezekiel chapter 36 verses 22 to 28 but then there are also other forms of wickedness that are not to be even named among the people of God just as we read in Ephesians chapter 5 verses 3 But among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5 verses 1 and 2 Paul writes it is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and of a kind that even pagans do not tolerate. A man is sleeping with his father's wife and you are proud Shouldn't you rather have gone into mourning and have put out of your fellowship the man who has been doing this? Recently you might have all heard about the news of Ravi Zacharias, a philosophical preacher of God, and a report that came out that he was guilty of sexual misconduct and the RZIM board apologized. That's the reason why it is all the more important not to put on a pedestal the spiritual leaders of today. Coming back This brazen sea stood on 12 oxen a group of 3 oxen facing four different directions this was symbolic of the fact that this cleansing flowed out in all directions for all people it could even be said that the 12 apostles of Jesus Christ carried forward this fountain of cleansing water in all directions to the various corners of the earth Zechariah the prophet was one of the contemporaries of Ezra. He also prophesied to the people of Judah after they returned from their 70 years of exile in Babylon. 
Zechariah was a priest in addition to a prophet. He therefore would have had an intimate understanding of the brazen sea. He had eight visions and he writes in Zechariah chapter 13 of the God's fountain for cleansing. His message was that God has graciously provided a fountain for sinners to be cleansed so that they may become his holy people. God has opened a fountain for cleansing sin and for impurity in Jesus Christ. Everyone who is dirty and defiled by sin may come to God's fountain for cleansing. Zechariah makes four points in chapter 13. He says, "We all need God's fountain to cleanse us from sin and impurity." He then says, "Cleansing from sin should lead to separation from sin." That is, we can no longer continue to live a sinful life. Third, God is the only one who can open this fountain for cleansing and he has done so by killing the good shepherd Jesus Christ. And finally, those whom God cleanses from sin, he purifies through the fires of affliction. It referred not only to the destruction of the temple Jerusalem in AD 70 but also it points to the affliction of the believers in their daily lives and finally it also points to the great tribulation where just before the second coming of Jesus Christ this great tribulation will happen and it will cleanse and purify those who belong to him So we need to keep asking ourselves some questions. Have we come in faith to the fountain of Jesus Christ and his shed blood to cleanse our hearts from sin and impurity? Are we regularly confessing and forsaking our sins in accordance with God's word? Are we looking daily to Jesus, the good shepherd, who was willing to be put to death for our sins? Are we striving daily to grow in holiness? Are we growing to love and submit ourselves to all of God's truth? Are we submitting to God as he refines us through trials? It is important that we ask these questions on a daily basis to ourselves. Coming back, the chronicler talks about the lampstands, the tables and the bowls all made of gold. Verses 11 to 17, he talks about Huram's furnishings for the temple. And finally he talks about in verses 18 to the rest of the furnishings of various articles made of bronze notice it says and Solomon had all these articles made in such great abundance that the weight of the bronze was not determined this is the right way of giving to god by not keeping any account as to how much we have given for the lord because ultimately everything belongs to the lord Are we calculating what we are giving to God? These writings of the furnishings encouraged the people of Israel who were returning back from exile to live a holy life set apart for God. May it encourage us to do the same. May God bless these words. Amen.